Sober Sundays with Mike Michow. We are in at Floored Media in Rockville Center, joined by a very special guest. We have Jenna. Hi, Jenna. Hi, how are you? <laughs> I am great. Good. Are you a little nervous? Not really, no. I'm not nervous now. I was before, but now I'm fine. Okay. So I met Jenna 2015. Can you tell us about Jenna in 2015? 2015 was really like the beginning of like uh, such a bad time in my life, actually. And, you know, I had struggled with alcoholism and addiction for years, you know, since my teens. And I had turned 30 years old and I had, you know, had two children at that time. And really like things were kind of coming to like a crisis. And um, I believe I actually, I was arrested and uh, they wanted to get me into some sort of treatment, you know? So I, I went to Seafield, it was close to my house. Um, I had heard about it before, knew people who went there and that's where I, you know, went for treatment. So legally mandated? Legally, not at first, but yeah, legally mandated and also mandated by uh, CPS also. CPS involvement now, was this drug court, felony treatment court? Were we involved yeah, in? Yeah, felony treatment court at first, and then I had been arrested again and then ended up being in uh, something called TASK. Yes, we know TASK. Yeah, Norman White. Oh, can I not say? You could say Norman White, oh, okay. sure. R.I.P. Norman R.I.P. White. R.I.P. Norman White. Okay. He was such a nice guy. He was a great, a great yeah, man. Great man. Okay, so you went to treatment, all good, never used, got... No, not even, no. Oh. That's not my story. I didn't know. At Please all. tell us. Yeah. <laughs> Um, no, I had such a hard time, like even being in treatment, um, you know, trying to go, uh, being in Seafield at first and outpatient, and then they sent me to inpatient because I couldn't stop using. Um, I couldn't come was up. That, I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Was that because you weren't ready? Was that because you didn't want it? Was that because outpatient wasn't enough? You Did know, you not want to stop? I don't really know that kind of like that time in my life was like very hazy, but what I've come to realize now, like looking back, really I had no control over what I was doing. You know, I couldn't stop. I wanted to stop desperately. I would try all different types of things, you know, tell myself I'm not gonna do it today. You know, I'm gonna wait, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna try this different. And for me, I had no control over what I was doing, completely out of control. You know, I remember Norman White saying to me, if you come in on Monday and give me a clean tox, you know, you can stay at, in, in outpatient and stay home and stay living with your children and stuff like that. And I wanted to, I didn't want to go inpatient. I didn't want to go to long-term and um, I couldn't do it. I could not do it as much as I wanted to. You know, I couldn't, I had no control whatsoever. I ended up going um, inpatient at that point. What does that do for you mentally, trying to control something that you can't control, having love, support, a family that you don't want to use, but yeah, yet. It's, it's terrible, it's so, yeah, it's like the worst thing probably. I haven't thought about like what that felt like for so long, you know, cause I'm like a little bit removed from it, but it's, it's so hard, you know, there's so much guilt and so much shame, especially being a mother and having children to take care of and not, you know, being able to take care of your children and, you know, do what you're supposed to do. Does that lead to more using? Absolutely, yeah, it's heartbreaking. And there's just, like I said, so much guilt, shame, um, yeah. And then the only way I knew how to cope with that, with those feelings is, is you know, to continue doing what I was doing. 
So tell us, you completed treatment. Yeah, eventually I ended up completing treatment because in my mind, the only way I could, I needed to complete treatment, you know, because I was, uh, I had signed a contract with Felony Treatment Court that I was going to go upstate for seven years um, for some of the charges that I had. And um, I really did not want to do that whatsoever. And, um, you know, I had, you know, Seafield, I knew if I had like, you know, positive talks, they were going to, you know, tell the court. Then I had gotten remanded. Then they tell the court had positive talks, you know, I'd get remanded again, sent whatever, all over. So finally, you know, after about maybe a year and a half of doing that type of thing, I realized the only way, you know, really to stay out of jail, to stay at, you know, uh, outpatient, stay home was to give clean toxins myself actually to do that. So I was going to. So you bought urines? No. Well, oh. actually, it's so funny because this is terrible. But um, I used to get urine from my daughter. I would ask her for her urine. And she remembers this. You know, she says to me the other wow. day. And like, it's funny because like we laugh about it now, which is kind of like, oh, my God, like who could laugh at such a terrible thing? But like it's that's how we are in my family. I'm very open with my kids because they remember all this going on, you know, so we have to kind of like make light of it. And she's like, remember you used to ask me for pee and tummies for the doctor? And I was like, yeah, I remember What did that. you put the, so what did you put it in? Oh my God. Like I would put it in like a small shampoo bottle and I would keep it like right here. I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to give anyone any ideas, but. Well, that way it's maybe, maybe it could save a life <laughs> if, if staff knew what oh, to look okay. for. okay, yeah. All right, yeah. So yeah, I would keep it like right here and um, I would do that, so. All right, so you completed, then what happened? Finally, well, yeah, I completed uh, treatment outpatient. I completed drug court. And the day before I was about to complete drug court, I ended up picking up again. And, um, you know, I remember my dad came home from a trip and I heard him put his bag down and it had like pills in it. And I remember hearing them go like, like, the, like they made a noise. And um, just, you know, got this idea, okay, I'm gonna take, you know, some of his pills, I'm done there, no one's gonna be testing me anymore. I have my graduation tomorrow. And, um, and then, you know, maybe an hour later, I was on the phone with someone having them come to my house. And then from there on, I really, I don't remember probably the next, you know, few weeks of what happened. So I ended up completing an, an event, you know, I relapsed right after that. Wow. Okay, how long did did you stay out there? That was, you know, relatively short, um, about five weeks, you know, but those were like, really like the worst five weeks of my life. Damaging to the relationship with your family? Yeah, my family, event, you know, stopped talking to me at that point. What about the people who you were meeting in recovery and from? Yeah, I, I they, they were like the only ones, honestly, who would who would check in on me. Um, especially one person who I met in outpatient. Yeah, one woman who was involved in the program um, and had been doing some work on herself, you know, in a, in a 12-step fellowship. So that you got support, regardless of you yeah. using or not. Absolutely. Not judging. Mo yeah, and the most support I got was from people in that 12-step fellowship, you know. Okay, so then you got sober? Kind of, yeah. Well, tell us what happened. Okay, so I'll tell you what happened. Um, yeah, I was living with someone who was just like a really bad alcoholic and um, just a really bad situation there. And um, yeah, like I said, that was like the worst five weeks of my life. Um, my parents 
stop letting me see my children. I was not allowed in my house any longer. Um, you know, I had lost, you know, the job I had that past year when I was in drug court. And, um, you know, like I said, living with this person. And um, really, it was just like a, a big nightmare. I spent the majority of my day in, locked in the bathroom or locked in the closet and or underneath covers. And I remember every couple of days, I would kind of like, you know, wake up or get upset and I'd call my dad and I'd be and he'd answer and I'd say dad you know can I come home I don't want to do this anymore and he would say you know go to detox and he would hang up the phone and um you know I had had worse you know physical addictions like before this and I was like I don't need to go to detox at this point like I'm not physically addicted really to anything you know which wasn't necessarily true and um you know, so I just kind of lived in that situation for so long. And what it really came down to, um, what for me was like, you know, drugs and alcohol kind of stopped working and they didn't, you know, I couldn't like all that shame and all that guilt and all those pain and all those things I had felt before and all those things that I had used drugs and alcohol for, for so long, it, it didn't do it anymore. Like I didn't, I still felt the shame. I still felt the guilt um, you know, and I came to a place really where I just wanted to kill myself. That was actually going to be my question. As you were speaking, yeah. I was about to ask you, was suicide an option? Maybe yeah. they call it like the jumping off place. Right. Yeah. So for me, that was definitely my experience and that's what happened. And it's such a crazy way that it all happened. Thinking about it is really, yeah, I wanted to, I, because I was so hopeless, like I couldn't stop. You know, now we've been going on since 2015, since I met you. Now we're in almost, two, we're in 2018. You know, so this is three years of not wanting to be doing what I was doing, you know, completely powerless over it, you know, getting no relief, you know, just complete torture, being separated from everything and everyone that I loved, you know, around people who were just not good people. You no, know, and, and um, it was a really bad place and I would go in the closet and I, I would want to kill myself 100%, you know? And I remember this very clearly, really wanting to kill myself, really no way out, completely hopeless. Like I said, like I didn't know what to do. And um, I just remember thinking or having this thought, you know, come into my mind. I don't know if it was a thought of my own or of my own voice or whatever the case may be, but it was just like, you know, you can't let your children, you know, grow up with no mother. Do you want them to grow up with a mother who killed themselves? With a grow up with a mother who who died from an overdose? Like is that what you want for your children? That's not what's gonna be for them. So it was do or die. Do or die. And we did. And I did. So yeah, like I said, like the connections I had made with people in outpatient and the connections I had made with people who were involved in twelve step work. Um, like those were the only people who did reach out to me. And, you know, somehow when I hear this voice telling me, you know, you can't do this to your kids, that's who I, I reached out to. And they were there. So how'd you get sober? Did you go to the detox? So I ended up going to detox, you know, for the last time. Um, and I went out east um, on the eastern end of Long Island to a hospital there that's, um, I've been there before. And, um, you know, it was one of the easiest detoxes I've ever had. One, you know, it was 
not a bad experience. Um, and, you know, I was just, you know, they took care of me there for a few days. And, um, yeah, and I ended up coming out. But the problem was, like, no one knew. You know, my parents didn't know this was going to be my last time going to detox. My dad had taken to me to, you know, 13 detoxes. I think he told me, he always says, <laughs> well, this is your 13th detox or your 11th detox or whatever. And um, he didn't know this was going to be the last one, right? So I get out of detox and no one knows, like, what to do with me. And um, they, my, my sister and my dad tell me a story. They were driving and they saw like this little like RV and they wanted to buy it for me and put it like on the property and let me live in this <laughs> RV. Yeah, because no one wanted me living in the house, you know, because I was crazy. I would steal everything. I would take, you know, everything. I would, you know, even when they didn't let me live there anymore, I would break in and steal stuff from them. And um, so they're like, all right, maybe we'll get her like this, like she can live in an RV. No one knew what to do with me at that point, you know? And um, I, I get out and, you know, so my parents are like, oh, I don't know what to do with her, you know? And I said, I'll, I'll just go back to outpatient, you know? And, and I ended up doing that. Um, do you think you got more out of the treatments and the detoxes and from the sober support because you were ready because it was your time. Yeah, I didn't know what was going on at all, you know, but at the time, but honestly, I believe that it was my time. Like that's what God wanted for me, you know? And I really knew in my heart, I knew, you know, that if I would continued on as I was going, I was gonna die and I wasn't gonna be able to, my kids were not gonna have a mother anymore. And I knew that. You know, I really knew that. It was very clear to me. You know, drugs and alcohol stopped working. And my only two choices were either kill yourself and die and leave your kids to grow up without a mom or go accept some type of like help, spiritual help. And not even at that point, it wasn't even, I didn't even know it was spiritual help, but it was really, it was so basic. It was just do what someone else is telling you to do at this point. Take direction from someone else. Someone other than the thoughts... In right, China's head. right. The I know, or okay, I've done that before. I know what I'm going to do. I know how to get sober. Like, no, I don't. The I knows and buts. Yeah. Stay away from. Right. So would you change anything? No. You wouldn't change no, anything? definitely not. No. It's so crazy. I feel bad for my parents. Like, they had to go through <laughs> so much. And so did I, like, to really get to, like, this point. But I'm so grateful for all of it, so grateful. Every drink, every drug, yeah, served the purpose in the end. One hundred percent, yeah. Because I know, like, in my heart, that like I truly am like an alcoholic, and I cannot, you know, drink or do drugs ever, you know. And I think everyone in my family, it's like abundantly clear to them as well. So, Jenna, mm -hmm. big reason is that that you're here. Yeah. Sober woman. Two kids. How how do you do it? I, I honestly believe like I, you know, I don't know. I don't really do it. Um, you know, in my experience, like a big part of getting sober has been like, you know, turning my life over to like a higher power and um, and God. And through that, like God helps me do it. God, you know directs me and leads me and is in me and does all these things, you know, for me. How, how I put it, in the legwork, you know. But how is it possible? You, you're you raising two kids, 
I'm assuming you work. I work. You have friendships, relationships. I'm in I, school. Yeah. How is all this? How can somebody do all this? I don't know. I don't know. It's and it's not hard. You know, it's not a struggle. I remember hearing you say that one time in a meeting, and I said, you know what? It's not. It's not a struggle at all. You know, I wake up in the morning and I, I ask for help from God. You know, and I wake up very early. I wake up at six o'clock every day. You know, there's a lot to get done. But for me, from going from a place that I described to you of like such horrible feelings and wanting to die, the fact that I'm alive today and sitting here, like I do all these things like with enthusiasm, like I'm so blessed, you know? My son had his birthday party last night, you know, and I paid for that party. And you were there. And I was there, I could never, and he had friends there too, you know? And, um, I was never, I never thought any, I could ever do any of that stuff. You know, I'm so grateful that uh, I'm able to do it. Do you think your kids are proud of you? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> we, I love the relationship I have with my kids. You know, I'm so, um, they're the best kids and uh, they haven't had it easy. And like their father is also an alcoholic and a drug addict and he's not, you know, where I'm at. And that's okay too, but it's not easy. And, um, you know, they've handled all this stuff and I think that they're um, just great kids and I love the communication we have. And the best thing about my relationship with my kids is like, I'm there, like I could sit there and be with them and talk to them and look them in the eyes and be honest with them. And like, you know, I'm not thinking about something else. Um, it's just like a very good relationship. We're able to be honest with each other and talk and stuff like that. Do you, do you find it more difficult or I'll even jump ahead or maybe more of a blessing or a good artillery to like of weapons to have in, in your back pocket of being a single mother coming into the, to recovery young. Is, is this something that weighs somebody down? No, not at all. It's actually, you're right. Like it is, it's such a, a good thing. Um, yeah, I know what you're saying. I remember my dad said that to me one time. I was like, you know, I don't want to, you know, leave my husband or whatever the case may be. It's like, it's better to be, you know, like a single mom than it is to be like a, an abused wife. And, um, but it's, it, it is an asset. Yeah. And I don't really, it's a, it's a blessing, you know, and I really, I don't do it by myself. My, my family does help me so much. And I have a community of people, you know, who love me and support me and love my children and help me with all that. You know, it's not just me at all. Um, I'm just so fortunate that I have so many people, you know, who I've met through um, the fellowship and all that, you know. Do, does your father, do your kids, do they trust you now? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, that's crazy. Is it uncomfortable for you? No, not now. But do you second guess, like maybe they don't, like when you say I'm leaving the house, you know that they know yeah, no, they're they, going to be okay. Yeah, they trust me 100%, definitely. Then they'll be okay, yeah. And where do you see yourself in maybe the near future? Near future? Um, I don't know. I don't really think about it. You know, I always try to, like, keep stuff in the day and stuff like that. But I am I'm in school right now. Um, and, yeah, I just really want to try to help more people. Um you know, that they can get better too. Cause if I can do it literally, you know, anybody can. And um, I, I second that. Yeah. So 
I just feel as though, you know, I really want to change kind of like my career and move in a direction where I can, um, you know, serve the community and help help other people. It sounds like you're going to school for a social worker. No. What are we trying to do? Uh, I'm actually in school for nursing right now. Very nice. Yeah. So, so Jenna, before, before you take us out, I was just telling you that I am very proud of you. Thank you. When does Jenna become proud of herself oh, or recognize the miracles that have happened in her life? Maybe not a direct result of, of you, but you are putting in, you did put in the work. Yeah, I did. Um, I don't know. It's really just, you know, I, I think for me, like recognizing it as being able to, you know, to, to show someone else how I did it too, you know, and, and having enough confidence to know, you know, this is really like the truth and this is how we get sober and this is what we do. And I'm going to show the next woman how to do it, you know, and be available when someone walks in a room, you know, and be that power of example and smile of that person and make them feel welcome and know that they're in the right place, you know, and by texting people and checking in on them and, and, and women who are younger and who are going through a hard time, just, just, to be nice to them and, and, and love them, you know, and, and be there for them. That's really how I try to, you know, model that, that confidence and that what has happened in my life, you know, is I could show the next woman that they're, they can do it too. And, and, and by doing that, by being kind and loving to them. And you're doing this to stay sober or you're doing this because you want to? Yeah, I think they teach us, you know, we have to do this to stay sober. You know, but at some point it really, for me, it has changed into something I want to do. You know, coming up here today, I'll just, I'll, I'll leave you with this last example, okay? Um, you know, this is like an uncomfortable situation for me to come up here and talk about all these things. You know, it's not something I always want to do, but, you know, given the opportunity to do it, I'm so grateful to do it, so I do it. You know, I've been taught that if someone asks you to do something like this, you do it, right? So I'm nervous coming up here, and, and for me, what do I do is I, I ask God for help. Um, and as I'm walking up here, you know, my phone rings and who is calling me? It's another woman who needs help, you know, and I answer the phone and I'm able to take it off me and, and, you know, see what she needs and how is she doing? And it's not about me, you know, and then that fear leaves me and, and, you know, really I'm able to be used in a way that I would never come up with. You know, I just, I ask for help and then God says to me, yeah, help someone else instead, you know, and that happens to me all the time all the time. And, um, and then that's like where the joy is, you know, and seeing these people do better. Like you see the joy in seeing me come so far in all these years. And it's like, I get to see that too. Um, that was beautiful. Thank you. All right. <laughs> that was an excellent way to end. Jenna. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, if anybody is looking for help, or needs anything, you can always contact me or Jenna. Mm -hmm. You can check us out on the website, SoberSundaysPodcast.com. And thank you so much, Jenna. Thanks, Mike. <laughs>